Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Everyone and welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. It is a tremendous Thursday, and making today so tremendous is the fact that we're going to have J.D. Sharp of the Vegas Take joining me in the second segment. We're going to talk a lot about futures and how he plays them. He's got a lot of futures tickets out. He's going to be describing those, how he hedges a lot of his futures. That's going to be fun, and we're going to break down a couple of games for today as well. So a little bit of an all-encompassing interview. In the final segment, I give you a side in total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and something I like to call touch them all. First things first, got to get to the questions in the Twitter mailbag at GNRSQuarity1. Always tweet them into the timelines. The timelines are something that... Much like betting on the Baltimore Orioles, you want no part of because they are not going to come out victorious for you. That is just putting it bluntly. And in this one, all the questions I got were regards to the Pittsburgh Pirates situation and Felipe Vasquez. So I'm actually going to answer that while we do the breakdown of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So how about if we get into the breakdown of today's games, try to become better handicappers from it, and try to find some trends. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. Max Scherzer is still not looking like himself as the St. Louis Cardinals wind up taking two of three from the Washington Nationals. Five to one the final in this one. As for the Washington Nationals, just not a lot doing for the same two of time with men in scoring position. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Tommy Edmond, his 10th of the campaign, and Matt Wieters, his 11th, as Adam Wainwright continues to be absolutely terrific at home. ERA at home, south of three, ERA on the road, north of five. He goes seven innings, he gives up one run, and that was an unearned run in the bullpen from there, which has been in the tops in regards to 
ERA in the National League ever since the All-Star break. They go two innings of scoreless baseball. And for the Washington Nationals, Scherzer winds up going six and two-thirds innings, gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there is able to record the final four outs, but the St. Louis Cardinals certainly able to get to him there. And Max Scherzer, ever since coming off the injured list, has not really went more than seven innings in any of his starts. And his ERA is north of four, so that is something that you do want to note. You also want to note that unders at Coors Field starting to get really hot as well as the New York Mets and the Colorado Rockies play another on Wednesday, as it was the New York Mets getting a 7-4 win. For the Mets, a pair of home runs in this one. Pete Alonso is league-leading 49th home run of the year, and Jeff McNeil is 22nd. As for the Colorado Rockies, they actually got a very good start in this one out of Jeff Hoffman. A little bit surprising considering how bad he's been all year, but he goes five and a third innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned. Then from there, the bullpen winds up having to go three and two-thirds innings. They give up four, they give up five runs, four of which were earned, and four of those were in the ninth inning, including with the bases loaded, Pete Alonso getting walked on four pitches. I don't know how that happens, but somehow it did it for the New York Mets. Noah Thor Syndergaard certainly not looking like himself as well. Five and two-thirds innings gives up four runs, all of which were including two dingers. Sam Hilliard had both of those, his third and fourth of the campaign, but for the but for the New York Mets, they've had a top five bullpen in regards to ERA. Meanwhile, the Colorado Rockies are dead last in that regard. And for the New York Mets, over three innings of scoreless baseball out of that bullpen. Kansas City Royals all in all have been pitching pretty well, but they wind up getting no offense against the Oakland A's, losing by a count of 1-0. to zero. For the Royals, they wound up having their opportunities. They strained the bases loaded in the 11th inning, going 0-4 with Ben in scoring position. And for Danny Duffy, the Duff man, he once again gets a good start, and once again, he doesn't get the result that he should have gotten. Seven innings, he gives up two hits, no runs. This against an Oakland A's team that is absolutely sensational against left-handed pitching. And then from there, you really can't fault the bullpen. Three and two-thirds innings, they give up one run. They certainly did their job. And for the Oakland A's, all their pitchers did their job as well. Homer Bailey, ever since King Trey ironically now from the Royals to the A's, it's been magnificent. Seven innings, 11 strikeouts, three hits, no one runs, bullpen from there, four innings of scoreless baseball. And for the Oakland A's, they weren't too great with men in scoring position either. One of eight in that regard, but they were able to get a Marcana walk-off hit to be able to get this win as they wind up being able to cover the run line in none out of these three games. So you do want to note that. How about if we go to a team that was certainly able to cover their run line, though? And that would be the Tampa Bay Rays as they were an underdog and they'd take down the LA Dodgers by a count of 8-7. to seven. If you had a Dodgers ticket in this one like I did, you gotta be sitting there wondering why in the heck J- Kenley Jansen is still being put in high leverage spots. He winds up giving up two runs in the ninth inning, which forces extra innings. And all in all for the Dodgers, it was just a wholesale approach. Ka- Casey Sadler wound up being the opener in this game and you had nobody go past two innings as the team in general gives up eight runs, seven of which were earned. They were hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field. And Cody Bellinger was able to go yard for his 45th home run of the year. Looked like that was going to be the difference maker for the LA Dodgers as that was insurance. As for the Tampa Bay Rays, Brendan McKay gets another start. He goes four innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. He's now given up three earned runs or more in all but two of his starts, pretty much at the big league level. So that has not been going well for him. And then from there, the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen. Not too bad as they did wind up being on the hook for four total runs over the course of seven innings, but only two of those were earned. They were hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field themselves. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, Austin Meadows really heating up for this team, his 32nd home run of the year. And this came against an LA Dodgers team that has been historically good at home so far this year. After that loss are now... 57 and 20 at home. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays have been very good on the road as well. This is a team that is hardly 500 whenever they play at Tropicana Field, but when you get them on the road, 43 and 32. So they certainly have been doing their job there. Speaking of team that was able to do their job, 
How about the Arizona Diamondbacks? They take down the Miami Marlins by a count of 5-4. to four. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, they got an early four-zip lead, and that was aided by a pair of home runs. Abraham Almonte gets his first home run. The Aaron Christian Walker is 26th as for the Miami Marlins. Not the start that they wanted out of Sandy Alcantara. He goes five and two-thirds innings, giving up five runs, four of which were earned. Keep in mind, in his previous 16 innings over the course of his last two starts, he had given up one earned run, and ever since the beginning of the month of August, he had an ERA of a 2-6. Bullpen from there was actually pretty good. They wind up getting the final seven outs without giving up a run, and the team got a pair of home runs themselves. Austin Dean, his fourth of the campaign, and Sterling Castro. Was 20th as for the years in the Diamondbacks. Mike Leake wound up giving up both those home runs, but he was able to limit the damage from there. Six and two thirds innings gives up three runs, all of which were earned bullpen from there. Gives up a run, but it was an unearned run. And this for an Arizona Diamondbacks team that has now scored five plus runs in each of their last three games. Going to the series, they had scored four runs or fewer in 11 out of their last 13. The LA Angels were able to play a lower scoring game against the New York Yankees and pull out a win by a count of three to two. For the LA Angels, it wasn't really the long ball that did it for them. They wind up leaving 13 men on base but they just had so many opportunities that they were able to get them in. Meanwhile, for the Angels, they got a decent start out of Dylan Peters, just not a lot of length. They only had him go 64 pitches. He goes four innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned, including a home run. And then from there, bullpen, five innings of relief without giving up a run. The Angels' bullpen in August was in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to ERA. In this month, it's actually been one of the best out there and the lone form of offense for the Yankees in this one. An error judge home run, his 24th home run of the year at CC Sabathia. Is pretty much an opener at this point. He goes two and two thirds innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Domingo Ramon has turned into a bulk guy as well. He winds up getting seven outs without giving up a run. And then from there, the Yankees had just one run given up out of the bullpen, and that was an unearned run by Adam Adovino. So needless to say, unders at Yankee Stadium have been cashing over 55% of the Yankees games have went under in Yankee Stadium, which I do think is very interesting. And the top over park out there in the big leagues is Pittsburgh, as over 60% of the Pirates games have went over. Two top over teams in the big leagues squared off on Wednesday in the Seattle Mariners and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And of course, it's a 4-1 to final, as you had out there Justin Dunn getting the start for the Seattle Mariners. He doesn't wind up giving up a single earned run, but he did wind up getting three walks in the process. This is a man that now has eight walks, and he has recorded eight outs. That is absolutely stunning. Meanwhile, Tommy Malone, the bulk guy, he's had a bad stretch of it recently, but in this one, he gives up no runs over the course of five innings. I believe he had given up four plus in over 50% of his last 10 bulk appearances. And for the Seattle Mariners, pair of home runs in this one. Kyle Lewis now has five home runs in eight games. This guy is absolutely sensational. And Tom Murphy winds up getting his 18th of the year as for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dario Egrizal, oh boy. Five innings pitch, he gives up four runs, including those two home runs. Bullpen from there, the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is now without Felipe Vasquez due to all the charges and everything like that. They go four scoreless innings. And so many people ask me how this affects your handicapping and everything like that. And with the Pittsburgh Pirates, obviously you have to take into account that they don't have Felipe Vasquez. I don't think it bothers this team as much psychologically as something like the Tyler Skagg situation. Just picture yourself being at work and having someone get those charges brought against them. Obviously, you're just here like, what the heck just happened and everything like that. You 
think that it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's not going to be like lingering and you can't work as a result or anything like that. So I don't think that it's a big psychological hurdle for the team. It's just the fact that, well, now you don't have Felipe Vasquez and it really doesn't bother, especially a lot of the guys that just got called up because you've obviously got the call-ups. They haven't spent much time with them. So it's just like, oh, this guy that was essentially a tertiary associate of mine just got charged with this. So it's one of these situations where it doesn't really play into the mindset, in my opinion. It just plays into the actual performance. So that's how I've been affecting my handicapping. So I appreciate those questions. Always feel free to tweet those in at GNR Squarty1. And we did notice that Pittsburgh was a sparsely populated stadium as were so many out there in baseball on Wednesday and if you're looking to fill some of those seats you're looking for some tickets to a game whether it be football basketball any sport concerts everything like that if you're a first-time customer to Vivid Seats enter the promo code overtime that is all one word O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E into the Vivid Seats app and you get up to $100 off of all tickets yep that is any event that you want to attend up to $100 off if you're a first-time customer enter in the promo code overtime to the app and you're going to be able to get that. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, getting back to them, 0 for 6 with men in scoring position. This is a team that had scored four or more runs in 18 out of their last 21 games prior to the series. They have now scored a grand total of one run over their last 18 innings. Teams that did not have a tough time scoring on Wednesday, and there were not too many of them, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles. As the Baltimore Orioles just gas can a game in one of the most sensational ways possible, losing to the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 11-10. to 10. The Baltimore Orioles, when there was one out in the ninth inning, were 99.6% to win the game, according to ESPN, and somehow, someway, they blew it, and the man that blew the game open... Randall Gritchick, his 30th home run of the year, and it was in grand fashion, a grand slam to Oscar Hernandez earlier in the game. Got his 23rd home run of the year, and you got to give credit to Dylan Bundy. Actually, good start in this one. Five innings pitch, gave up one run. This loss is not on him. He did give up five walks, but he was able to limit the damage. Oh, bullpen from there, though. They give up 10 runs, nine of which were earned over the course of four innings. This bullpen is historically bad, and they actually have a couple bats on this Baltimore Orioles team. Jonathan Villar's 23rd home run of the year. Anthony Santana is 19th. As for the Toronto Blue Jays, Clay Buckles wound up getting just absolutely exploded upon in this one. He goes three and two-thirds innings, giving up seven runs, all of which were earned, including those two home runs. Bullpen from there wasn't bad. Five and a third innings, they wind up giving up three runs, only two of which were earned. They were hurt by an error out there in the field, but Toronto Blue Jays continue to get it done. Baltimore Orioles, not so much. Cleveland Indians continue to get things done at home. If you took the run line in this one, that was not so good, but the Indians wind up getting a 2-1 to win over the Detroit Tigers. And for the Tigers, Spencer Turnbull, a guy that ever since late June when he got hurt has not been so effective. He winds up going five innings, giving up one run, and the bullpen from there winds up going a grand total of four and two-thirds innings. They give up one run, but it was an unearned run as they were hurt out there in the field by a Willie Castro error. And for the Cleveland Indians. They were able to get the job done in the 10th inning thanks to that air. And for the Indians, Aaron Savali just continues to be a guy that delivers great starts and doesn't get wins. Seven and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run. I believe he has now made nine starts, has a 182 ARA, and has a 3-3 three and three record. That makes absolutely no sense, but the Cleveland Indians do have the best bullpen area out there in the big leagues, and it showed in this one. They go two and a third innings, not giving up a single earned run, and for the Cleveland Indians, they wind up going two of ten with men in scoring position. So needless to say, wasn't too good of a night for too many teams with men in scoring position, but it was for the San Francisco Giants as they take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 11-3. Justin Marge, a very good start in this one after he got up to a rough September. Six innings pitch, gives up one run, including a home run. Bullpen from there does give up two runs over the course 
course of three innings and going deep for the Boston Red Sox in this one. Jackie Bradley Jr. is 20th home run of the year and Rafael Devers is 30th. As you least just seen, he had been doing a good job of being able to give opens slash starts for the Boston Red Sox. This one, he gives up four runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings in the bullpen from there, which has been in the top five of the big leagues ever since the beginning of the month of August with regards to ERA. They give up seven runs, but only four of which were earned over the course of six and a third innings. So still not necessarily awful considering how many innings they had to go. But for the San Francisco Giants, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Stephen Voigt. His 10th of the campaign, this team went seven of 14 with men in scoring position. They were not missing those opportunities. A team that was missing those opportunities, though, the Atlanta Braves as they fall to the Philadelphia Phillies by count of 4-1. For the Phillies, they got a pair of home runs in this one. Cesar Hernandez is 12th home run of the year, and Bryce Harper his 32nd. As Zach Eflin, before he got demoted, was Eflin bad, but ever since he's been put back into the rotation, has been Eflin good. He's not given up more than 300 runs in a single start ever since being reacclimated into the starting rotation. Seven innings in this one. Gives up one run, and that was an unearned run. Bullpen of their, from there, which for the Phillies, has been one of the best in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. They go two innings of scoreless baseball. Got to give it up to the Atlanta Braves bullpen as well. It's looked very good here the last couple weeks. They go four innings of scoreless baseball, but Julio Tedon winds up giving up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of five innings. This is a man that has now given up three earned runs or more back-to-back starts. I think for the second time ever since the beginning of the month of May that he's had a stretch like this. So not good there. And for the Atlanta Braves, they just weren't able to get a whole lot going. Five total hits. 0 for 3 with men in scoring position, so needless to say, a little bit of a rough go of it. The Brewers' offense also had a rough go of it as they wind up losing to the San Diego Padres by a count of 2-1. to Also want to note that if you're betting on the Padres, in 22 out of their last 26 games, not played at Coors Field, they've scored 4 runs or fewer. That has to be some sort of a season record for games outside of Coors Field, so... For the San Diego Padres, not a whole lot of offense there. And the man that actually provided the offense with his first home run of the year, Seth Mejia's Breen. So he was able to go deep, and that was really the difference maker in this one for the Padres. As Adrian Hauser, not a bad start in this one. Five innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Six out of his last seven starts, he's given up two earned runs for fear, so he's been solid there. And for the Brewers, bullpen was good. They go four innings. They don't give up a single earned run. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, the only thing they had going on in this one was a home run of their own. Keston Hira, 17th home run of the year for the San Diego Padres to Nelson Lamette. Absolutely sensational. Six innings pitch. He did give up that solo home run and three walks, but 14 strikeouts. Kirby Yates gets his league-leading 41st save of the year. Seems like the San Diego Padres who have essentially the best fielding independent to ERA ratio out there in the big leagues. They should be in for some positive regression. They were able to go three scoreless innings in this one. The Chicago White Sox got a whole lot of innings out of the bullpen as they used Ivan Nova as an opener, and they were able to get a 3-1 to win. For Nova, he gave a one-inning open, and then they just used a whole bunch of guys from there. They went a combined eight innings out of the bullpen, giving up one run to a Minnesota Twins team that has the most home runs in the history of Major League Baseball in a season. For the Chicago White Sox, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Zach Collins. His third home run of the year, this is a guy that's batting a buck 38. So, needless to say, that was found money for them. And for the Minnesota Twins, Jake Odorizzi was pretty decent in this one. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Minnesota Twins, though, they get three total hits. They leave six men on base, one of five with men in scoring position. So, needless to say, things did not necessarily go well there. And for the Minnesota Twins, this is a team that has played just four games to the over ever since the beginning of the month of September. So, they've been really dipping under. And for the Boston Red Sox, they also have played just four overs ever since the beginning of the month of September. The Chicago Cubs have been getting a whole lot of runs at home recently. They had scored 
eight or more in their previous four games prior to the series against the Cincinnati Reds. In this one, they only muster two as the Cincinnati Reds get a 3-2 extra inning win over the Chicago Cubs. For the Cincinnati Reds, they were able to get a lot of good production out of the bullpen. Four innings of one-run baseball. This is for a red team that ranks in the bottom eight in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA ever since he also breaking Tyler Molly, a man that prior to his previous start last week, the team had been 4-20 and 20 in his last 24 starts. They have now won two straight of them as Tyler Molly in this one. Six innings pitch, he gives up one run. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Eugenio Suarez is trying to get that home run count. His 48th home run of the year. That came off of John Lester. And John Lester in this one was pretty good. Five innings pitch, he gives up one run. That's a home run. Bullpen from there. You can't really say they did bad. They wind up going a grand total of five innings, giving up two runs. But for the Chicago Cubs, 0 for 5 with men in scoring position, low in form of offense, Wilson Contreras, 24th home run of the year. Needless to say, just not ideal. And for the Cincinnati Reds, they continue to be the top under team out there in the baseball with right around 60% of their games going under. And the night was wrapped up by the Houston Astros, a $5 favorite, clinging to dear life against the Texas Rangers by a count of 3-2. The Texas Rangers had their opportunities, but they went 0-8 with men in scoring position, which is why they didn't cash that big ticket if you were on them like I was. And for the Texas Rangers, main form of offense in this one, Ron Guzman, 10th home run of the year that came off of Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole just continues to be magnificent. He is the second fastest player to reach 300 strikeouts in a year, doing it in 198 and a third innings. I believe that Randy Johnson did it in one inning fewer. Eight innings pitch, 10 strikeouts. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Ever since the beginning of the month of June, he's got an ERA hovering right around a 1-8, and he's given up more than two earned runs in two starts in that time period. Roberto Ozuna had a little bit of a rocky close to the game, but he was able to close it out. And for the Houston Astros, the difference maker in this one, they were able to get a pair of home runs. Yuri Gurriel, 30th home run of the year. Jose Altuve is 29th. One of those came off of Kobe Allard, who entered into this game having gone 33-plus innings while giving up just one home run. And in this one, he gave a good start. Five innings pitch. He gives up two runs, including one of those home runs. Bullpen from there, three innings. They give up one run. So you can't fault the Texas Rangers bullpen there. That's just Garrett Cole being flat-out good. So what did we all learn from Major League Baseball on this Wednesday? The St. Louis Cardinals are continuing to play some very good baseball. Meanwhile, Matt Max Scherzer, just not his normal self. Unders are continuing to cash at Coors Field. Meanwhile, the New York Mets are continuing to get some very good bullpen pitching. And the Rockies, some bad bullpen pitching. The Royals pitching is actually looking pretty good right now. And for the Oakland A's, they are mashing lefties left and right. But they just continue to get the job done. For the years in the Diamondbacks, their offense seems to have really come to life. And Mike Leak, even though he is giving up home runs, all in all is doing a good job of eating innings for this team. The New York Yankees are continuing to play a whole lot of unders at home. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, seems as though the bats have went a little bit cold with the injuries to Josh Bell and Sterling Marte. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners all of a sudden getting some decent pitching. The Baltimore Orioles bullpen continues to be historically bad. And the Detroit Tigers are actually getting some decent pitching out of the bullpen. But the Cleveland Indians, they do have the top bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. The San Francisco Giants continue to cash on the road and as an underdog. As an underdog, the San Francisco Giants actually have a win record this year straight up and on the road the San Francisco Giants 41 and 36 meanwhile the Boston Red Sox 36 and 41 at home and as a favorite on the run line 
49 and 70. So needless to say, some parallels there. The Philadelphia Phillies are continuing to be very inconsistent. And Julio Tehran seems to have had a little bit of regression set in for him. The Milwaukee Brewers are still getting some tremendous pitching in the San Diego Padres. Still not putting up more than four earned runs. Still not putting up four plus runs in a game. The Chicago White Sox continue to be profitable whenever Ivan Nova takes them out. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts, you're up nearly $1,000. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, they're starting to play a lot of unders along with the Boston Red Sox. The Cincinnati Reds are beginning to win in Tyler Molly's starts. Meanwhile, the Chicago Cubs still doing a good job at home. 51-26 and 26 is their home record. The LA Dodgers continue to be historically good at home, but Kenley Jansen, a little bit of an issue for this team and for the Houston Astros. They just continue to get tremendous starts out of Garrett Cole. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Thursday. Let's talk a little bit about how to hedge and how to play the futures market as well as break down some of these Thursday games. And we're going to do that with J.D. Sharp of the Vegas Take, and that is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we are back here from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and it is a great pleasure to have on our next guest. He's joined me on the podcast a couple times, and he does terrific work. He is the host of the Vegas Take. Back when he was joining me on the podcast a few weeks ago, this was a show that was on more towards the evening, but... Now you can hear it on 101.5 FM, 720 AM out here in the lovely city of Las Vegas from 9 AM to noon Pacific. That is noon to 3 PM Eastern, Monday through Friday. And you can follow JD on Twitter at I am JD Sharp. And this is a man that does a lot of great work with betting baseball and so many other sports. JD, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Awesome. Always a pleasure having you on. And it is always a pleasure to talk to you about just some of the future tickets that you have in general. Since I know that you've come on the podcast, you took a lot of action on some guys to win things like Rookie of the Year, home run props, and everything like that. What are some of the things that you have standing going into these last couple weeks of the season? I've got so much going on. So I'll start with the actual individual props. I've got a lot on home run. I think Alonzo, he just said another one. Alonzo's got 49. My upside on Alonzo is okay. I think I probably break even, maybe a little above, maybe like a 10% win. If Alonzo wins it all, he's at 49. Eugenio Suarez is at 47, and I've got him at 100 to 1 a couple of times, and that could be really exciting if that were to happen. Now, we'll see. I believe that Alonzo has one more game remaining compared to Suarez. And then I've got NL MVP. I've got everybody but Bellinger. Yelich didn't cost me much, but I do have Anthony Rendon a couple of times at 30 to 1. I do have Alonzo a couple of times, and I think 25 and 40 and 12. I've got Freeman a few times. I mean, pretty much if anybody besides Bellinger wins the NL MVP, I'll make money there. I have Domingo Herman and Max Fried for the wins. I do not have Verlander, so I believe that Verlander is probably going to win it all. AL MVP, I've got Bregman a few times. I think that the only guys that have a real shot to win are obviously Mike Trout, now that he's out for the year. Bregman, and then I think Nelson Cruz, if he finishes really, really strong, has an opportunity to win the AL MVP. He's got to have almost 8 or 10 home runs. And with his power and with his hard hit percentages, that's not unreasonable to assume that that could happen at this point. But he has to finish very strong. But I do have Bregman. I'll probably make a little bit of money on that if Bregman wins MVP. If Trout wins, then I'm totally done. The most interesting one I've got right now is probably the NL Cy Young. I've got Steven Strasburg a couple of times at 80 to 1. I really believe that Strasburg has the best resume right now for any pitcher in the NL. Scherzer just got rocked. He gave up five runs and he had a 2.6 ERA. That's up to 2.81. 
And you've got Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom has nine wins, eight losses, 2.6 ERA. And one thing I've noticed, I kind of did some research on this, but wins are very important for the Cy Young. There's never been an NL Cy Young winner in the last 50 or 60 years outside of a closer, obviously, who has had an ERA over 2.5 and less than 13 wins. Even if deGrom wins both his games, he has two starts left. He'll go 11 and 8. That's if he plays perfect. He's not great at, at Miami Stadium, so that's probably not going to go that well for him. But Steven Strasburg's got 17 wins, six losses. He leads the National League in innings pitched. He's number two in strikeouts. He's number seven in whip. His ERA is 3.49, which isn't outstanding, but he has a, a 2.12 BAA, which is batting average against. And the fact that the Nationals are much more likely to make the playoffs than the Mets, I think he should win the NL Cy Young. And if that happens, I'm, I'm in a really good position. And I've also got the Nationals 20 to 1 a couple of times to win the NL, which I think, which I believe they have the opportunity to do. Again, their, their bullpen is just porous, but their starting pitching is so strong. And then I've got some futures on the Yankees and Dodgers and Astros to win it all. But I feel really, really good about Strasburg. Obviously, Alonzo, I think, will, will probably win the home run as well. I'm probably in for maybe 15,000 total in Major League Baseball futures. And I'm looking at an upside. My best upside probably is 32 right now. My low end is maybe 13 to 17, but I shouldn't lose more than 10 to 15% of my total futures investment is my estimation at this point. We do have J.D. Sharp joining me right here on the podcast, and you lay that out. Obviously, there's a lot of hedging that goes on throughout the year. There's a lot of times where you're buying low, selling high, everything like that. What would you recommend to people that are doing a lot more of these futures, props, odds when the Cy Young and everything like that? It's something that I really don't do personally, but I know that a lot of listeners out there, they're probably just eating this up right now. Dude, it's different with like the Cy Young, for example, I do it through Westgate. And Westgate, they stop halfway through the year. And their max bet on the app is 200 to 300 bucks. So you really can't do a lot of hedging after the fact. But with say, and the Nationals to win the NL, say they make it to the NLCS and say they play the Dodgers. Well, I can probably make a, a hedge in the 40 to 45% range to lock myself in on a profit on something like that. So you, you can do that more on a situation like that. Or, or like in college football with the Heisman Trophy, you can do the exact same thing there. But with like a Cy Young or a home ranking. Now, one thing I do do for a hedge is kind of an implied hedge. I have everybody but Trout to win the AL MVP. But I think Trout's going to win the home run derby. So what I'll do is I'll put money on Trout to win the home run king at like 40 or 60 to 1. And then I won't touch the AL MVP. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, okay, so fine. Now, if he does win the AL MVP, then I've got four or five guys that can. But if he does win the LVP and he wins the home run crown, which he was on pace to do, then I'm fine either way. So you can do kind of a cross-category hedge, which I do recommend when it comes to standard props like most wins, Cy Young, ALMVP, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's a very good way to go about it. And I do think that the most interesting rates out there is the NL Cy Young. I don't think that he has any chance to win it. But Jack Flaherty, the second half of the year, I'd say he's been the best pitcher out there in baseball. He is essentially a pick against Kyle Hendricks of the Chicago Cubs. And Kyle Hendricks probably gets an award for best home pitcher so far this year, I guess you could say. ERA right around <laughs> yeah, like a one six in Wrigley Field. What do you make of this one? Because I think that it's really interesting how Jack Flaherty is pitched. I think he's given up like five earned runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. And four have been to the Milwaukee Brewers, who just seem to be a bugaboo team. Meanwhile, the Chicago Cubs... They've been nails at home all year long, and Kyle Hendricks performs very well there. But at the same time, the St. Louis Cardinals, well, they're looking pretty good right now. Yeah, I don't see a line on this game. What's the line? It's a pick Minus 105 both ways. Yeah, I'm taking Jack Flaherty in that situation. Flaherty's just been so good. What is he, a .9 ERA in his last 15 starts or something like that? It's insane. 
I mean, it's it's out of control. So yeah, I'm all over Flaherty. The Cardinals bullpen is significantly better than the Cubs bullpen. The Cubs bullpen is kind of a dumpster fire. I trust them much more. I like the Cardinals pick. I mean, I'm probably not going to take the game, but if I were to take the game, I would lean Cardinals there. Absolutely. I'm right now looking at the Cardinals myself as we have J.D. Sharp joining me right here on the podcast. And we do have a little bit of a shorter slate on Thursday, which is typically the norm. But I do feel like we have a couple of very important games, including the Phillies and the Atlanta Braves taking center stage. Aaron Nola has been doing, I would say, a pretty good job for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's been getting touched up in the last couple starts, but all in the past couple of months, He's been solid, but how about Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves? He has been just absolute magic for this team. He did give up a couple home runs in his last start, but all in all for the year, giving up right around like .75 home runs per nine innings. Right now, we're seeing the Atlanta Braves at William Hill, a minus 133 favorite in this one as we do this podcast. What do you make out of this? I'm seeing a total of eight, and with the Philadelphia Phillies, they're either going to give you eight runs all by themselves, or they're going to give you one. I've been noting this on the podcast. You just don't know what you're going to get out of the Phillies because it's all or nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. The same thing can kind of be said for the, the Braves as well. They're really inconsistent with the way that they score runs, kind of like the Red Sox have been recently. I look at the over in this game. Nola played the Braves a couple weeks ago. He didn't do very well. Soroka, at some point, he has to slow down at some point. He's a rookie. He has a chance to win. He's probably number five in the NL Cy Young. His ERA is outstanding. He's won a lot of games. I would probably look at the over in this game. I would consider maybe the Phillies run line as well. Yeah, and with the Phillies run line, plus one and a half, obviously going to cost you a little bit of juice, but certainly have a lot of added protection right there. And it's one of those interesting situations. Whenever I look at a plus one and a half run line, it typically is one of these situations in which you have a pair of teams that they play each other very, very closely. I always look at that with the Arizona Diamondbacks versus the LA Dodgers. Don't know how, don't know why, but it feels like every time the Diamondbacks go to the go to Los Angeles. They seem to lose every game on a walk-off, and they're usually like a $2 underdog. It's one of those situations where I don't know how and I don't know why. And I was doing this a lot with the starts that Chris Sale was doing back when he was out there as well, because you'd notice that a lot of these teams would be like more than $2 underdogs, and the Boston Red Sox would wind up winning a lot of those games by one run. That's when I typically look at a plus one and a half on the run line. Yeah, as long as Will Smith isn't playing, you're fine with the Dodgers usually. Oh, yeah. Will Smith has been getting jiggy with it all year long, getting a home run every 11 at bats. It's been absolutely insane. And a guy that's getting jiggy with it with regards to giving up home runs, Aaron Brooks has apparently decided to retire from football, throwing interceptions there. They're throwing home runs in baseball. It's the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to be playing also Toronto Blue Jays. Anthony Kay is a guy that was essentially the centerpiece in that Marcus Stroman trade, and he's going to be starting for the Toronto Blue Jays. But right now, I'm seeing the Blue Jays at minus 123. I know that Aaron Brooks has looked a little bit better in some of his most he recent has, he starts. He looked but a little bit better. I agree. With that said, I can't get behind the Baltimore Orioles in this spot. This is a game I can't even look at. I can't even seriously. I probably won't even handicap it. I, I just It's just a game that I just can't take seriously. I guess off the cuff, because Brooks has been playing better and Kay obviously has a lot of ability, the under isn't a horrible play to look at here, and it definitely has some value. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a game that I would avoid like the plague. Oh, absolutely. We got two teams that, well, their record is not good, and that's putting it very politely. Yeah, but it, it, and neither <laughs> team really cares. It's not a big deal. I do think that both teams have the ability to kind of light up the scoreboard. But again, why is that total not 13 if that's the case? I do agree with you. And one of the games I do take a look at in which you got two teams that they were in the wild card on for a while, but they've fallen out of it. But you got to feel like both these pitchers are going to have a lot of pride on the line. San Francisco Giants spots the Red Sox. Madison Bumgarner. 
is a guy that I think that if you were to play a game of table tennis in your basement against him, he would be trying to do everything humanly possible to win. Meanwhile, Eduardo Rodriguez has been doing a very good job for the Boston Red Sox. Right now, we're seeing the Red Sox as a minus 164 favorite, total of nine. For Boston, that is a low total, but I like the way that the Red Sox bullpen has been pitching. And with Madison Bumgarner, this is a guy that you know is going to give an honest effort. I think that there's a lot of value here on the Giants. Yeah, I agree. Rodriguez has been pretty inconsistent this year. He does have a big win total. That's because his team scores runs consistently. And the Red Sox, they just look like they just don't really, and I know this is kind of more of a football statement, but they look, they just don't really don't care. And why would they? Now, they won the championship last year. They're definitely out of the playoffs. They don't have sale. I think Bumgarner has a lot of value here. I think looking at the money line is actually a pretty decent move here. Were they plus 130? Right now, the Giants are right around plus 155-ish. Yeah, I think I think that first five run line and full game money line would be an interesting combination to do. Probably get minus 130 and plus 150. You can, you can work those two out. But let's assume that Yastrzemski is there as well. I think the Giants are a good play. I think that the Giants are certainly the play as well as we do have J.D. Sharp joining me right here on the podcast. And is there anything else you're really looking at? Because there's one game that's off the board that really intrigues me with the Seattle Mariners going up against Pittsburgh Pirates. Two top over teams out there in the big leagues. And you've got Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. I know he's been a little bit better recently, but over 75% of his starts have been going over this year with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're dealing with Felipe Vasquez and, well... That's a situation that we're not going to be diving into in-depth on this podcast. I'll just leave it at it's not good. And it's a tough right situation, now, to say the least, yes. Yeah, we don't have a total on this game or anything like this, but as long as this total is not astronomical, I have to think that the over is something I'm going to be looking at here. Yeah, how can you not take a look at the over in this game? You say Kikuchi has been really well. In fact, he threw a game, and I actually had against him like in that Blue Jays game. He threw a nine, shut him out. I think he had one hit, seven Ks, maybe two walks. He pitched really well in that game, so... That alone has kind of scared me off. One of those situations where I was pretty confident in the play and it didn't go my way, so I'm probably not going to take a look at this game. But a game that kind of interests me is, I noticed the Indians are minus 260 to minus 320 pretty consistently at home or on the road lately, and they usually cover the run line in these games. And Mike Clevenger has been an absolute monster, Just in, I mean, not just at home, but just in general. The Indians have much more batting talent than the, the Tigers do. They have a significantly better bullpen. I believe that looking at the Indians' run line, even a points bet like a minus three or four or five or an alternate run line is a good move with Clevenger and Norris. So that's a game that I'm kind of looking at, as well as the over at Lucchese and Lyles in the Padres-Brewers game. I kind of like the over eight in that game, but I'm probably going to take a close look at that Indians game. I haven't taken a look at it yet, but yeah, I, th- I think the Indians is probably a play that I'll take a look at. And taking a look at the Indians right now, that minus one and a half run line is minus 170, so... Might be looking at wanting to lay two and a half or three and a half to really mitigate that juice as Mike Clevenger has been just absolutely terrific to your point. He's getting like 13 strikeouts per nine innings. It's been absolutely amazing. And something else that is absolutely amazing, your show, J.D. I know that you guys have a new time slot. I know that the good people at home can follow you on Twitter at I am J.D. Sharp. Let the good people at home get to know a little bit more about you. Give the elevator pitch on what they can expect and just sell yourself in general. So yeah, my show is called The Vegas Take. It's 9 to noon, Monday through Friday on 101.5 FM, 720 AM, KDWN, live from Las Vegas. We cover sports, politics, gambling, and entertainment. But I always take these opportunities to talk sports, all sports, when I get the chance, like on Greg's podcast. But yeah, it's, uh, it's called The Vegas Take. And you can go to you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Podbean. I'm, we're on but probably yeah, eight to ten platforms. We're pretty much all over the place. But yeah, that's just that's The Vegas Take. And I go by I'm J.D. Sharp. I go by J.D. Sharp on that show. 
Oh, terrific. A big thanks to J.D. Sharp for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Get get a little bit of futures talk on this podcast as it's something that I don't necessarily specialize in. So that was absolutely terrific. And coming up next, I do give you a side and total on every game of today's Las Vegas betting board. We do so in a little something I like to call Punch Em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. We're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Las Vegas radio shows J.D. Sharp for joining me in the last segment as we now get to that part of the podcast in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays going to be listed up by my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 with typically some of these plays are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that, and some of them are in wait and see mode. But in this case, we are in wait and see mode on all these games. A lot of lines just got posted up here in Las Vegas, and I'm waiting on a lot of these. I guess it must be fading the public or something like that. But for everything that gets set, locked in, changes, everything like that, going to be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSQuarity1. And as per usual, going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. And this starts with 951-952 on the bank rotation. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing most of the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Supernola goes for the Phillies. Mike Soroka for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 8. The over is juice of minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Braves, laying anywhere between minus 133 and minus 135. Meanwhile, plus price here on the Phillies, anywhere between plus 123 and plus 125. Aaron Nola has been a little bit of an up-and-down pitcher all year long. He started out the year giving up a bunch of home runs. He then really settled down from there. And ever since then, he's been okay. He's got an ERA just below three ever since the beginning of the month of July. So it's been a little bit of a teeter-totter year for him. Meanwhile, with Mike Soroka, I do recognize that in his last start, he wound up giving up three home runs. But all in all, this is a guy that really hasn't given up more than four earned runs in any one of his starts so far this year. And he's coming off his last start against the Nationals after he gave up those three home runs. And he pitched six scoreless innings. So... Oh, no, he has been absolutely tremendous. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy. He's given you, I would say, 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, and Aaron Nola more in the realm of 10.5, but he's backed up by a better lineup as well. We were mentioning it with J.D. Sharp. This Philadelphia Phillies team, you just don't know what you're going to get from them game to game. You do have quite a few guys on this Phillies team that do an okay job of being able to get by it. J.T. Riamito, Cesar Hernandez, Gene Segura, all guys in between a 275 and a 285. You also have Corey Dickerson, who's been out of the line the past couple days. He's got a batting average above 300. But then you got Reese Hoskins, along with Mikel Franco, and quite a few of the other bench guys are in a 240 or lower. And with Reese Hoskins, seems to be starting to get it going. He and Bryce Harper both have an on-base percentage above a 370. And for Harper, he's got 31 home runs, hitting a little bit above a 250. But Hoskins, ever since the All-Star break, hasn't been providing a lot of power. He's got 29 home runs on the year, but a lot of those came in the first half of the season. And then you've got guys like Scott Kingery and Adam Azili hitting between a 255 and a 265 as well. And then for the Atlanta Braves, you've just got murderers row for the team. It's Nick Markakis, Matt Joyce, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, all in between a 290 and a 300. And how about this for Freddie Freeman? Over 115 RBI. 
He has went deep 38 times. Josh Donaldson is hitting right around a 260, along with Brian McCann and Aidsby Swanson. Both those guys hitting between a 250 and a 255. For Donaldson, 36 home runs. Then you got Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting just below a 280. 39 home runs, 97 RBI. This guy needs to, in my opinion, be in consideration for NL MVP. He's been that good so far this year. Then you got a couple other guys that are not typically in the lineup, like your Francisco Cervelli's, Denny Echeverria's, guys like that, that they're kicking the tires on that they're trying to see if they're able to give them a little bit of a spark. I do recognize that the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen has been quite good recently. It has been one of the best ones in the big leagues ever since the beginning of the month of August. And you take a look at the San Leonard Braves bullpen ever since the All-Star break. It has been the bottom 10 in the big leagues with regards to ERA, but I do feel like it is improving a little bit. I do think that the Braves have a clear pitching advantage with Soroka against Aaron Nola, and I think the Braves should be able to pull this one out at home. So for that reason, looking at the Braves here and the total over with the over, this has already fallen from 9 to 8 on the total. I'm looking to see if I'm able to get it unjuiced, so holding off there. Meanwhile, the Braves open up right around minus 140, seeing them more in the realm of a minus 133 to minus 135, so looking to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better number there as well. 953, 954 on the bang rotation. The San Diego Padres at the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Jordan Lyles goes for the Brew Crew. Joy LaCasey for the Padres. Your total on this game is 8. The over is juice of minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Brew Crew laying minus 155 across the board. Plus price here on the Padres is plus 145. Joy LaCasey, all in all, has done a pretty decent job this year, but you do want to note his splits. He's got 10 and 8 record for the year, 422 ERA, but you look at what he's done at home. It's absolutely magnificent. 8 and 3 record, 264 ERA. He's done a good job of being able to limit that hard contact, less than a home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, when he hits the road, he gives up more around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, 2-5 and five record, 6-1-9 ERA. That is glaring. And ever since Jordan Lyles has joined the Milwaukee Brewers, I believe he's had eight starts. It might be nine, but I think it's eight. He's given up two earned runs or fewer in all but one of them. He wound up getting blown up by the Oakland A's in one start, but past that, he's been absolutely magnificent for the Milwaukee Brewers. Might be the MVP of the trade deadline, in all honesty. And you take a look at the Padres. In games not played at Coors Field, entering into Wednesday, they had scored four runs or fewer in 21 out of their last 25 games. So this is a team that certainly is not getting the back going. You've got quite a few guys in Luis Arreas, Sean Mejia Breen, Tim Janikowski, Hunter Renfro, Ian Kinsler, Austin Hedges, among others that are hitting a 230 or lower for this team. Got to throw in their tie France as well. They got a lot of other guys airing between, I would say, a 237 and a 250. That would be Will Myers along with Greg Garcia, Manuel Margot, Josh Naylor. Then you got a couple guys in between a 255 and a 265. Josh Naylor actually is now hitting a 255, so I give him a little bit of credit. I was underselling him a little bit earlier, but Manny Machado and Francisco Mejia are in that fold as well. And for Manny Machado, he's done a decent job of being able to pound out the home runs 30. And you now have Hunter Renfro back. He has 32 home runs on the year, so that gives this team a little bit of power. But really, other than Eric Hosmer, you don't have a lot of batting average. 275 average, 20 home runs, 95 RBI. I will say that whenever they have Nick Martini out there, he's been doing decent as well. But all in all, when the team lost Fernando Tatis Jr., they really lost a lot of their hitting. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, 
you just got a whole mix of guys airing between a 246 and a 268. All but two guys in their starting lineup on Wednesday was hitting in that realm. You then have Kesson Heroes hitting a 300. That's huge for the team. And Orlando Arcia, the outlier at a 216. You also do have Ryan Braun. He was on the bench for this game. He's hitting right around a 280. The team has been giving him a lot of rest, but all in all, he's been doing a solid job. And now you've got Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis really firing at all cylinders as well. For Yasmani Grandal, 27 home runs so far this year. Mike Moustakis, 35 dingers. He has been on a tear since coming off the injury list. I like what Cody Spangenberg is giving them. He's hitting nearly a 270. He's at the top of that list. Ben Gamble, Eric Thames and company, they've all been doing a very solid job. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, this is one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. For the Padres, it's a team with a fielding independent that should indicate that their bullpen should have a better ERA than what it is. But at the same time, you are what your ERA slash your record says you are at this point. And this is a spot where I do think that there is going to be a little bit of regression for Jordan Lyles. So I do think that the Padres are going to be able to get a couple runs here. But looking at Joey Lucchese's road splits, I think that the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be able to get to him in this spot. So for that reason, looking at this total over and the Brewers run line, currently seeing the Brewers run line at plus 120. Would like to be able to get a little bit of better juice there. Meanwhile, on this over, looking to see if I'm able to get a little bit more of an unjuice eight as right now it's hovering right around minus 115. 955, 956 on the bang rotation. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals on the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Calendar goes for the Cubs. Meanwhile, Jack Flaherty for the St. Louis Cardinals. This game is a pick of minus 105 both ways, seeing as though this is a Wrigley Field game. This is a total that is presently off the board, and we were mentioning it with J.D. Sharp in the last segment. This is one of the best pitching matchups that you're going to find because of the location. Kyle Hendricks has an ERA below a 175 at home. He has been absolutely magnificent. Meanwhile, with Jack Flaherty, if you take out the games that he's played against the Milwaukee Brewers, he has given up a grand total of one run since the beginning of the month of August. The Brewers have touched him up for a grand total of five runs in those two starts. That just seems to be his bugaboo team because in every one of the other seven starts, he's given up one earned run. It's absolutely wild. And ever since the 4th of July, he has given up more than two earned runs just once I was in a start against the Milwaukee Brewers. This guy has been absolutely magnificent. And he's backed up by a bullpen that is in the top two in the big leagues with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. And so many people sleep on the Chicago Cubs. We were talking about this with Sean Zarillo yesterday on the podcast. The Cubs bullpen is actually pretty darn good. It's one of the best out there in the big leagues. I actually believe that it's better without Craig Kimbrell. Call that a little bit of a hot take, but Craig Kimbrell was a hot mess. Meanwhile, the rest of these guys have been pretty darn good. They've just choked away a couple of big spots in the past month or so. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, this is a team with a lot of balance in their lineup. You've got Tommy Edmond and Colton Wong. The guys are really getting on base for the team. Hitting between a 284 and a 286. You then have Yadier Molina and Paul Goldschmidt hitting between a 265 and a 255. And for Paul Goldschmidt, along with Marcel Ozuna and Paul DeYoung, these are the guys that are really shelling out the long ball. DeYoung is right now hovering right around 29 home runs. Ozuna, 28 home runs. He's got a 250 batting average. And then Paul Goldschmidt has one deep 31 times. Then you've got Dexter Feller along with Ozuna hitting right around a 250. Paul DeYoung has seen his batting average right around a 240. And then Harrison Bader, Matt Carpenter, just have not gotten online this year. Matt Carpenter is still drawing his walks and everything like that, but he's only hitting a 226. Matt Weeders is not doing a lot. But all in all, you got a decent lineup. But I certainly do think that you have a lineup advantage with the Chicago Cubs. With the Chicago Cubs, Nick Cassianos, Wilson Contreras, 
Chris Bryant, the now injured Javi Baez, and Javi Baez is not going to be coming back, by the way, so don't be counting on him, but you also have Anthony Rizzo, who's currently day-to-day. All these guys have a batting average right in between a 285 and a 295, and all these guys with 22-plus home runs, they have been absolutely sensational at being able to drum up offense for this team. And then you also have Kyle Schwarber. His batting average is not there this year at a 239, but 37 home runs for him, and while Anthony Rizzo has been out of the fold, you've got Victor Carantino in there. This is a guy that has a 275 batting average. Doesn't have the power of these other guys, but he's still getting a home run every, I would say, 21 and a half at bats. That's not too bad. Jason Award hitting a 260 for this team, along with David Bodie, Nico Herner, ever since he's gotten his chances, has been doing a very good job hitting above a 350 going into Wednesday, and Ben Zobris also hitting a 280. This is one of these situations in which I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. I have a little bit more faith in the Cardinals' bullpen than that of the Cubs, but it's very close. And I just think that with Jack Flaherty pitching the way that he is, I think he's going to be able to give seven strong. I don't think he gives up a run, and I think that it's a situation in which Kyle Hendricks gives up maybe one or two, and that's a difference. So for that reason, looking at the Cardinals as a pick, this total is currently off the board, but unless if something insane is going on with the weather, I'm probably going to be looking at it under. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCore. 957-958 on the bagging rotation. The LA Angels are going to be hitting the road to face off against the New York Yankees. Masahiro Tanaka goes for the Yankees. Meanwhile, Andrew Heaney for the LA Angels. This is a game that is presently off the board. How or why, I am not sure, but that is exactly what we have here. And this is a situation in which I do have to be leaning a little bit more towards the LA Angels if they're getting a massive plus price. I do recognize that the Yankees have actually been very good at Masahiro Tanaka's last 20 starts. I believe that they're 15-5 and five in that stretch. But in that stretch, Vasir Tanaka has an ERA right around 6. He's given up more than 2 home runs per 9 innings. He just has not been able, able to find it all year long. Meanwhile, Andrew Heaney, well, things are not going well for him either. He has given up 4 earned runs or more in each of his 3 starts in the month of September. But you take a look at what he was able to do in the month of August. It was actually pretty darn sensational. He wound up giving up 3 earned runs or fewer in every one of his starts and in his 2 starts in the month of July. Combined 9 and a third innings, he gave up 2 runs in each of those. So he actually has been able to show this summer that he's a pretty solid pitcher, and I actually now do know why this game's off the board. It was supposed to be J.A. Happ to start with, so they skipped J.A. Happ in honor of Mr. Masahiro Tanaka, so gave you a little bit of an answer there, but with Masahiro Tanaka, I just have absolutely no faith in him whatsoever. Now the Angels bullpen, obviously a little bit of a hot mess, and with the LA Angels, you're looking at a team that, well, they are without a lot of pieces. Justin Upton, Shoy Otani, Mike Trout currently out for the year for this team. So you have to rely on some lesser bats for this team, but you still do have a but you still do have out there a couple guys are doing a decent job for this team. And Drelton Simmons, Albert Pools, along with Kevin Smith and Brian Goodwin, all guys hitting between a 250 and a 270. And in the case of Albert Pools, he's actually done a good job of being able to drive guys in. He's got over 85 RBI to go, 23 home runs. You then have Cole Callum. The batting average is not necessarily there for him, but he is pounding out the log ball. 31 home runs to go with a batting average that's hovering right around a 235. Daniel Fletcher has also done a nice job of getting on base, hitting a little bit above a 290. He does a good job of drawing walks as well. You do want to note a lot of the famine bats of this team as well, though. Wilfredo Tovar, Matt Theus, Max Stassi, Tyler Ward, Michael Hermosillo. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. These guys are all hitting a 220 or lower for this punch, along with Justin Bohr, who has not seen a whole lot of at-bats recently. Meanwhile, with the New York Yankees, you certainly do have some power bats of this team, and 
Look who came back yesterday, Mr. John Carlos Stanton. That should be able to help out this bunch. You also now have Aaron Judge to go along with Luke Voigt, Mike Tockman, all in between a 270 and a 280. Gio Urshela has been absolutely terrific at being able to get on base. Whenever you need Austin Romine, he's been aiming right around a 250. You've got Gary Sanchez and Edwin Encarnacion a little bit banged up. They've been in and out of the lineup, but these two guys have 30-plus home runs. T.D. Gregorius along with Brett Gardner hitting just below a 250 right now, but the constant of this team has actually been Glaber Torres. Hitting right around to 285, 38 home runs for him. He has been absolutely lights out. With the Yankees, you obviously do have that bullpen as well. Guys like Adam Adovino, Tommy Canley, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman, they're all very good, but this is just a spot where I do think that Masahiro Tanaka is going to be able to give up the runs. If you're seeing a total on this game, right around 10.5-ish like we saw on Wednesday. I'd probably be looking at the under and the Angels, but as always, trip back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. It's a little bit of a wash because you do have a very bad Angels team. Meanwhile, you've got a bad pitcher in Mr. Masir Tanaka, and I do think that Andrew Heaney is going to be able to find his good stuff in this one. We move on to 959-960 on the Bangor rotation. The Baltimore Orioles play also the Toronto Blue Jays. Anthony K. Say hey. He's going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Meanwhile, Aaron Brooks hoped so not throw interceptions for the Baltimore Orioles. Total on this game is 10. Over Zeus anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Blue Jays, that is anywhere between minus 122 and minus 123. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Baltimore Orioles, anywhere between plus 112 and plus 113. This is not enough of a plus price with the Baltimore Orioles. Now, I do recognize that Aaron Brooks, actually a very good start his last time out, going right around six innings, giving up two runs to the Detroit Tigers. Now, here's the thing. That was against the Detroit Tigers. Meanwhile, with Anthony K, this is a guy that has made two starts so far for the Toronto Blue Jays. In those starts, he's given up right around three earned runs apiece. This is a guy that has not necessarily been able to find it yet in the big leagues. He was the featured piece of that Marcus Stroman trade. Looked very good in his first time out. Five and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs against the Rays. He then got blown up for five runs against the New York Yankees. This, no doubt, though, a big step down in competition. And he's got to give up a home run. Meanwhile, our man Aaron Brooks, he's given up right around... 1.85 to 1.9 home runs per nine innings. And do note that according to reports, there could be an opener coming in for the Baltimore Orioles in this one as well. So you do want to be on red alert for this one. I'll give Aaron Brooks credit here. He's given up three earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. But with that said, I don't think that that streak is going to last. As a matter of fact, I think that that streak gets blown up. And even if that streak does last, you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. They have won the historically worst bullpens in the history of all of baseball. And I will say this for the Toronto Blue Jays. The batting average of this team, just not good to say the least. But you do get Lords Gurriel back at the fold. This is a guy that's hitting right around 280 for this bunch. He's able to supply some boom. And even though you've got a bunch of guys like Teoscar Hernandez, Justin Smoke, Rowdy Telez and company that are hitting below at 230. These guys are all hitting for like 20 plus home runs. You had Kevon Biggio really bust out a few days ago. He wound up hitting for the cycle. Boba Shett hitting above a 3 for this team along with Reese McGuire who's a seldom used catcher for this team. You then need to get a little bit more out of guys like Brandon Drury, Billy McKinney, Derek Fisher. These guys, they're not providing a lot of power. They're not providing a lot of average. And we'll say this for Randall Gritchick. He's got 29 home runs. That has been very good for this team. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles, you do have some guys are doing a solid job of getting on base. Anthony Santander, Jonathan VR, Trey Boom Boom Mancini, all in between a 273 and a 280. In the case of Mr. Boom Boom Mancini, he's got 33 or months. You've got guys in Renato Nunez along with Rio Ruiz, Dwight Smith Jr., and DJ Stewart, all in between a 
245 and a 230. So there are a couple decent bets there. I will say for Pedro Severino, ever since coming out the injury list, he has been hitting a 260 for this team. So he's starting to get a little bit of something going. And then you have to like what Austin Hayes is providing. He's now hitting right around a 300 for this bunch. But then you've got a lot of guys that they are just not holding up their end of the bargain for this team. Chris Davis, Stevie Wilkerson, Chance Sisko, Austin Wins, Richie Martin, Jace Peterson, all guys hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. And I do think that this is a spot in which the Toronto Blue Jays have much better bullpen pitching. I think that Anthony Kay is going to have a much better time of it going up against a far lesser lineup than he's faced recently out there in the big league. So for that reason, we are looking at the Toronto Blue Jays in this spot, and I'm going to be taking this total over. With regards to the over, I'm seeing this total actually dip a little bit, so I'm in Wayne C mode there. And then with regards to this number, the Blue Jays open a minus 130 favorite. They're now a minus 122, and I'm also exploring a run line, which is only at plus 120, so I'm going to see if the run line gets ballooned up a little bit. I'm right now checking my options there, but regardless, we're going to be playing both of those. We move on to 961-962 on the banging rotation. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing also Detroit Tigers. Daniel Norris goes for the Tigers. Meanwhile, Mike Levenger for the Indians. Your total on this game's eight and a half. Over juice of minus 120, the under is even. If you're looking at the Indians, you're laying anywhere between minus 350 and minus $4. Meanwhile, take back plus price on the Detroit Tigers. Anywhere between plus 295 and plus $3. Mike Clevenger has been absolutely terrific. This is a guy that's getting right around 13 strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up more than three earned runs, I believe, just once. Ever since the beginning of the month of July, he had that one blow-up start to end June against the Baltimore Orioles. Past that, he's been absolutely magnificent. I will say this, though. The Detroit Tigers system of having Daniel Norris go three innings and then Drew Verhagen provide about four or five past that has actually been decent for this team. Drew Verhagen has been doing a good job of being able to get strikeouts. Daniel Norris in his three or so innings has been hit or miss. It's either been a rousing success, giving three shutout innings like he did a few days ago against Baltimore Orioles, or it's been a hot mess where he gave up three earned runs against Kansas City Royals and four runs in five and two-thirds innings against the Chicago White Sox earlier in the month, and then the Kansas City Royals got him again. So it's one of these situations where it is a little bit hot and cold, but I do like the way that Verhagen is throwing past him. And for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that certainly doesn't have a whole lot of offensive firepower, but they are finally starting to get some guys in there with a good batting average. Victor Reyes, Harold Castro, pair of guys hitting right around 300, and then you got Miguel Cabrera to go along with Jody Mercer hitting in that realm of a 280. Christian Stewart along with Brandon Dixon are eating between a 240 and a 250. And sadly, Brandon Dixon right now leads the team with 15 home runs. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a juice ball era in the middle of September, so that's not good. Darwell, Lugo, Travis Demright, both hitting between a 230 and a 240. But then you've got guys like Jason Rogers, Willie Castro, along with Roddy Rodriguez, Gordon Beckham, Grayson Griner. The list goes on and on of guys that are hitting a 220 or lower, but a lot of those guys have been mitigated out of the lineup. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Indians, you do have quite a few guys at the top that are doing a great job of being able to get on base. Carlos Santana, along with Francisco Lindor and Oscar Mercado, along between a 280 and a 290. In the case of Mr. Santana, he and Famio Reyes both have 34 home runs so far this year. You've also got more than 30 home runs off the bat of Francisco Lindor, as you've also got quite a few guys are doing a decent job of being able to get on base as well past some. Mike Freeman has been hitting for right around a 275 for this bunch. So whenever you need him, along Jordan Luplo is hitting in that realm as well. It's been going pretty well for you. Meanwhile, guys like Jake Bowers, Roberto Perez, Kevin Ploiecki, 
Greg Allen. These guys need to pick it up with the bat. They're all hitting right around at 240. But Yasiel Puig, even though he hasn't provided a whole lot of home runs ever since he's come over to the Indians, he has been doing a solid job of being able to get on base. With that said, I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that the Tigers, with that two-pronged approach, are going to be able to hold the Cleveland Indians at bay. I think the Tigers do just enough to be able to scratch off a couple runs against Mike Clevenger to be able to get this one. So for that reason, looking at the Tigers on the plus price and the total under, with regards to the under, would like to see if I'm able to get more of a plus price on 8.5 because I'm noticing some 9s offshore, so I'm right now waiting to see if this turns into a situation where I'm able to get an unjuiced 9 or not, so right now checking my options there, and let's face it, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of public money coming out on the Tigers, so waiting to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better price. 963, 964 on the betting rotation. You've got the Kansas City Royals, and they are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Meanwhile, Mike Montgomery for the Royals. Your total on this game is 10.5. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Royals, you are going to be getting anywhere between plus 220 and plus 230. Want to lay it here with the Twins. That is anywhere between minus 250 and minus 280. I will say this for the Kansas City Royals. The pitching against the Oakland A's has been superb. They looked very good with their arms in that series. They wind up giving up one run yesterday. There's just not a whole lot more they can do. And with Mike Montgomery, he has looked a little bit better recently as a starter. He got off to just an absolutely atrocious start. He then started to hurl a couple good games. And then in the month of September, it's been a little bit miss. In his last two starts, he's won a combined nine innings, giving up seven runs, all of which were earned. He had one bad start against the Miami Marlins, and then he actually looked decent in his last start against the Houston Astros. So, a little bit of a mixed bag there. Meanwhile, you take a look at what you're getting out of Kyle Gibson. 13-7 and record. Not necessarily the peripheral numbers that would back that up, though. He's got an ERA that is north of a 4-7. He's given up right around 1.5 to 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Not necessarily ideal there. He does a decent job of being able to get swings and misses, though. And I have noticed that his form as of right now is, well, shall we say not good. He has given up four earned runs or more in each of his last four starts. Ironically enough, his last appearance was actually a relief appearance in which he had a blown save against the Cleveland Indians, so that was not necessarily good there. But in the month of July, he did a very good job giving up more than three earned runs in just one start. This is just who Kyle Gibson is. He's a little bit up. He's a little bit down. And with the Kansas City Royals, this is a team that is just not generating any offense whatsoever. They were able to have a good game one against the Oakland A's, but you take a look at this team, they have scored three runs or fewer in every one of their camps the past week. So it's one of these situations which you're not getting a whole lot of offense out of the Kansas City Royals. But I will say at the top, you do have a couple guys that are doing a solid job of getting on base. Whit Merrifield, selling above a 300 for this team. Adalberto Mondesi, Jorge Soler, Alex Gordon, along with Chester Cuthbert, all in between a 250 and a 268. I will say for Mondesi, he's got one of the top five most stolen bases out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, with Jorge Soler, 44 home runs. Power's been a little bit lacking recently, but all in all, he's been solid Hunter Dozier. His 26 home runs. He's hitting a 280. But then it's the bottom of the lineup that's really hurting this team. Nicky Lopez, Bubba Starlin, Miles Valoria, Brett Phillips, Nick Dini, Ryan O'Hearn, Chesler Cuthbert. List goes on and on of guys that are hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. This is a team with the record for most home runs in a single season, and you're just getting it from a little bit of everyone on this team. You've got Mitch Garver, for goodness sakes, who's right now got right around 30 home runs for this team. Nelson Cruz, we were talking about it with our man... 
J.D. Sharp about the season he's having. He's got 35-plus home runs despite missing a little bit of time. His batting average is suffering right around a 300. I don't think he's going to win MVP, but with that said, certainly has been putting up a nice fight. Miguel Sano, don't you know, he's getting a home run every 12 to 13 at-bats. Then I have guys like Jake Cave, C.J. Crone, Marwin Gonzalez, Williams Estadio that all know their role and they're all doing a solid job. And then you got Jorge Palanco hitting above a 320 plus home runs. Eddie Rosario over 80 RBI, 275 average. He's approaching 30 home runs. It's just absolutely insane. I do think that this is an interesting spot though because the Minnesota Twins have been playing a lot of unders recently. You take a look at the month of September. I believe that going into Wednesday, all but four of their games had one under. So this has been recently an under team. The bullpen has looked significantly better. I do think that this is a spot where the Twins essentially score all the runs by themselves and they're able to get a little bit of a lopsided win. So for that reason, going to be looking at this total under and I'm going to be looking at the Minnesota Twins on the run line. Currently, that Twins run line is minus 140. Would like to lay a little bit less juice there. I'm looking to see if this total possibly climbs. 965-966 on the betting rotation. The Seattle Mariners are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, it is good old to be announced, which means that this game is presently off the board. Meanwhile, with the Seattle Mariners, it is Yusei Kikuchi, and we were going through it with our man J.D. Sharp. Yusei Kikuchi has just been a machine to the over. I believe that 21 out of his 30 starts have went over so far this year. 6-10 record, 5.46 ERA. He's given up more than two home runs per nine innings. It just has not been a whole Heck of a lot of good for him so far this year. And you take a look at what he's done recently. It's actually been a little bit better. He's given up three earned runs or fewer in two out of his last three starts. But he just seems to interchange good starts with bad starts. In the month of August, he gives up six runs in one start, one run the next start, five runs in one start, complete game shutout against the Toronto Blue Jays the next start. He then proceeds to give up five runs. After that, he gives up three runs against the Texas Rangers, one run in five innings on the road against the Houston Astros, and then he winds up recording seven outs and giving up five runs against the Chicago White Sox. There is just absolutely no rhyme or reason. Right now, I'm showing for the Pittsburgh Pirates, by the way, Joe Musgrove. If it is going to be Joe Musgrove, that's going to be going, well, here's another guy that's absolutely unpredictable. Are you going to get good Joe Musgrove? Are you going to get bad Joe Musgrove? Or are you going to get Joe Musgrove? It's absolutely insane. You take a look at what he did in the month of August. He wound up giving up two or three earned runs in four out of his six starts. He then gave up five runs and five innings against the Nationals and eight runs in three and a third against the New York Mets. There's just no rhyme or reason to why Joe Musgrove gives the starts that he does. But what we do know is that we've got the two top over teams out there in the big leagues and we've got the top over ballpark in Pittsburgh. And with the Seattle Mariners, you do have quite a few guys that are all of a sudden doing a good job of being able to light up the scoreboard for this team. You do have Shed Long, who's now hitting above a 260 for this bunch. Austin Nola's really found it. He's hitting a 280 along with Thomas Murphy, D. Gordon, and Omar Nevias. All these guys hitting between a 275 and a 285. You have to like the story of Kyle Lewis. This is a guy that's got five home runs in like his last eight games. He's been absolutely sensational. Now, you do want to note that Daniel Vogelback has been out of the lineup recently, and he's got a batting average that's below a 220. And speaking of guys that have a batting average below a 220, here's who else you can lump in there. Mac Williamson, Keon Broxson, Dylan Moore, Ryan Fraley, Brian Court, 
list goes on and on of guys that have just not been able to step up. But I will say for Malik Smith, he's a guy that's also out of the fold. He's been in and out of the lineup recently. He leads the league in regards to stolen bases. Kyle Seager has really picked up his play ever since the beginning of the month of August. And then you do have just a little bit of everything going on with his bullpen. It certainly has been shaky, but that of the Pittsburgh Pirates doesn't get any shakier than losing Felipe Vasquez in the manner that they do. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you also do have some guys that are doing a good job of getting on base. Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds, both in between a 315 and a 325. You then have Colin Moran along with the currently injured Josh Bell, Adam Frazier, in between a 275 and a 285 for Josh Bell. Don't expect him in this one. Sounds like he might be missing quite a bit of time, if not the rest of the season with his injury. Jose Ozuna along with Jacob Sellings, though, in between a 260 and a 270. That means that you're going to have to rely on some lesser bats of this team. Eric Gonzalez, Pablo Reyes, Kevin Kramer, guys like this are going to see more at-bats with these injuries. They're hitting below a 240, so you do want to note that. And if this is a situation in which you've got Joe Musgrove versus Yusei Kikuchi, I'd probably have to look at the Pittsburgh Pirates as long as I'm not laying big juice. If the Mariners are something insane, like a big plus price, I'd be starting to look at them. But with that said, the real play here is going to be on the over. With regards to the side, need to know a little bit more about it. So check back in the morning at GNR's where you want for set plays there. But that's where I'm leaning on this game. But we are at things up with 967-968 on the bang rotation. The San Francisco Giants have thrown to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez goes for the Boston Red Sox. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner for the San Francisco Giants. Still on this game's nine. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Giants, it's anywhere between plus 154 and plus 155. Want to lay it with the Red Sox. It's anywhere between minus 164 and minus 175. I just have to trust in Madison Bumgarner here. This game may not mean a whole lot to the San Francisco Giants, but... Keep in mind, this is essentially the last hurrah for Bruce Bochy. This is a gentleman in Mr. Bumgarner who I think that he would try to beat me in essentially a game of tiddlywinks. And all in all, he's been pretty good this year. Now, you do want to note that with Madison Bumgarner, he does have those occasional blow-up starts. So it is one of those interesting cases. But over his last 14 innings across two starts, he's given up four earned runs. Start before that, he winds up giving up a five spot. He gave up a five spot in five innings against the Colorado Rockies as well, but his other starts in the month of August, he wound up giving up a grand total of eight runs over the course of five of them, going six-plus innings in all but one of them as well, so he has been very solid. Meanwhile, with Mr. Rodriguez, He's been arguably the best starter of the Boston Red Sox so far this year. 17-6. and six. I will say he's benefited from a lot of run support. Boston Red Sox, whenever he starts, have been giving him over seven runs per game. But I will say, he has been absolutely magnificent. Over his last six starts, he's given up one run in one of them, three runs in another that was on the road against the Colorado Rockies and Coors. In the other four, he's given up zero. So he is in very good form. And I will say this, Boston Red Sox, ever since the beginning of the month of August, top bullpens in regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. For the year, the Giants bullpen has been very sharp itself. I will say, has been quite as good ever since they sold off those pieces like Sam Dyson and Mark Melanson and company at the trade deadline. But all in all, you still do have a very good bullpen of the San Francisco Giants. With the Giants, you do want to note their splits. This is a team that on the road has a record above 500. Meanwhile, at home, it is well below 500. And as a matter of fact, that away record going into Wednesday was 40 and 36. And as an underdog on the run line, 66 and 51. And they're essentially straight up as a underdog with regards to winning the game. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox, 36 and 40 at home. Run line production as a favorite, 49 and 70. That is not necessarily ideal. And for the Giants, they're averaging right around 3.3 runs per game at home, more like 5.2 runs per game on the road. And the team is getting some unexpected production out of 
Mauricio Dubin and Adam Dickerson. Both these guys are seeing more time in the lineup. Both these guys hitting between a 270 and a 285. You are getting a little bit more out of the Brandons. Brandon Brelt and Brandon Crawford now have their batting averages above a 230. So that has been nice for this team. Kevin Pilar along with Mike Ustromsky and Evan Longoria. And we'll throw in there Stephen Voigt as well. All guys hitting between a 260 and a 265. In the case of Pilar, Ustromsky, and Evan Longoria, all in between 19 and 21 home runs. So that has been a little bit of a help for this team. And then you also do have a couple guys that they're rolling the dice on at the catcher spot. So it's been a little bit hit or miss there. Meanwhile, with the Boston Red Sox, the trio of Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and J.D. Martinez has been absolutely terrific. Martinez got the day off yesterday, but he's got 35 home runs. All these guys are hitting a 300 grader. Bogarts, 31 home runs. Rafael Devers, 29 of them. Andrew Benatendi is hitting right around a 270 along with the catcher, Christian Vasquez. You are noticing that Mookie Betts is out of the fold, so you're seeing guys like Mitch Moreland, Jackie Bradley Jr., Marco Hernandez, and company get a couple more at-bats, but Brock Holt selling above a 300 for this bunch as well, and this is a very good Boston Red Sox lineup, but I will say that ever since the beginning of the month of September began, this is a team that ranks in the bottom four in the American League in regards to runs per game, so I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring affair. I think that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be able to do a good job, but I just have my faith here in Madison Baumgartner as a big underdog being able to pull this one out. So for that reason, looking at the plus price here of the San Francisco Giants and the total under, currently Wayne Seaman on both of these, trying to see if I'm able to get better juice on the under. And I'm noticing a little bit of money coming in on the Boston Red Sox as well. And that will do it for the Thursday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. Big thanks to our man J.D. Sharp for joining me in the last segment. Be sure to tune into his show, The Vegas Take, 9 to noon Pacific, right here in the lovely city of Las Vegas. That is noon to 3 on the East Coast. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Every every question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it into the timeline at GNRSquarty1. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.